The story of Joseph is an interesting one. Yes, of course, it was interesting enough to be made into a musical about a Technicolor dream coat and then inspire spinoffs, some of which featured Dolly Parton. But it's also an interesting story because it's not one that features a distinctly supernatural actor. God doesn't speak directly to Joseph. An angel of the Lord does not appear to tell Joseph what is going on. Uh, There's a few dreams that Joseph is able to interpret. But nowhere in Joseph's story can we be like, Phew, y'all, God is here. Some would even say that the story of Joseph is not about God at all, but one of personal growth or strength of self. Some would say that Joseph is the hero of this story. But when the story of Joseph begins, it's clear that he's kind of a jerk. Joseph has two dreams that he interprets as showing he will rule over his brothers one day, and he makes sure to tell his brothers all about them. Joseph's dad, Jacob, doesn't help the situation and gives Joseph a beautiful coat of many colors, delineating that even though he is not the firstborn, Joseph is clearly the favorite. Joseph is obviously unpopular with his brothers, who turn around and sell him into slavery in order to get rid of him. From the time he is sold by his brothers to traders for 20 pieces of silver, Joseph's journey becomes even more interesting. I commend to you the entire story of Joseph found in the later part of Genesis, starting in chapter 37. But for our purposes this morning, I will provide a brief synopsis. After Joseph is sold into slavery, he becomes the faithful servant of an Egyptian, Potiphar, and is falsely accused of attempted rape by Potiphar's wife. He is thrown in jail, where he interprets the dreams of other prisoners. Due to his past interpretations, a servant of Pharaoh, a former prisoner, recommends that Joseph may possibly be able to interpret the ruler's dreams that that had been tormenting him night after night. Joseph does, in fact, interpret Pharaoh's dreams and is given great power under Pharaoh, leading to the unlikely reunification of Joseph with his brothers who do not recognize him. Now, after some shenanigans, in order to make sure all of his brothers are present, Joseph reveals himself to be their long-lost brother, and he welcomes them with open arms as we read in today's lesson. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them, and after that, his brothers talked with him. Not only that, Joseph recognizes his position as a blessing from God so that Joseph can save his whole family from famine. Joseph's response is merciful, kind, and full of forgiveness for the sins of his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not nearly so forgiving. Joseph's brothers ruined his life. Joseph surely would have had his own wives, children, and livestock by now. Joseph spent many years laboring for others and many years falsely accused and imprisoned. If I were in Joseph's position... I likely would have laid awake at night thinking of the many ways I would torture my brothers if I ever met them again. And yet, when the time comes, Joseph forgives his brothers before they even get a chance to apologize. As we discussed earlier, Joseph did not start off a saint. But clearly, Joseph has undergone a transformation. 
Joseph has shown himself capable of radical forgiveness. And this is where we see the supernatural work of God in the Joseph story. The life of a Christian requires transformation. Jesus challenged his disciples and the people he encountered to make radical changes. Father Donovan and I make every attempt to challenge you week after week to reconsider everything you think you know. However, Jesus probably didn't, and Father Donovan and I certainly don't expect you to change all your on your own. The good news and the bad news is that real, meaningful change is impossible without God. We will never be able to righteous ourselves. We cannot make ourselves holy. No matter how much we want to, we cannot follow Christ in thought, word, and deed without some help. And God is happy to help. So when Jesus says today, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Do not be overwhelmed. Yes, this is a tall order, but Jesus does not expect you to walk this path alone. God will always meet you where you are, but God is not happy to leave you where he found you. He formed us with so so much more in mind than just our existing on this earth for 70 to 90 years. God created you. God loves you. And like any parent, God wants to see you grow into your full potential. God wants to assist us along our path. But we have to take the first step. We have to turn toward God. We must tell him we are ready to be transformed. While in Tennessee, I met an incredible woman. She had walked an untraditional path, much like Joseph, but had become an incredibly devout woman with a deep faith in a living God. You know how sometimes you can just look at a person and see that they've met God? She was one of those. So early on in our friendship, I asked her how she had met God along this interesting life journey of hers. And she explained that she had been an alcoholic. She loved beer even after it had gotten her into quite a bit of trouble even after it had almost killed her. She knew she needed to stop drinking, and she also knew that she could not stop on her own. So she started attending AA, and she started praying every day that God would take away the urge to drink. One day, she woke up and realized that he had. God had worked a miracle. She no longer felt the urge to drink. He made her a new person. God had transformed her. This change led her to restart her whole life. She was born again. Transformation is possible for everyone. God transforms people all around us. We forgive when we should harbor anger. 
We love when we should hate. We give until we have nothing left to give. But these are not normal human reactions. The ability to do these things is a clear sign that God is working each and every day to transform our hearts. Some of us will have pronounced moments of transformation, such as my friend. But most of us will find that, like Joseph, each day we are just a little more charitable to those who have wronged us, or just a little bit kinder to those who have nothing to offer us in return. Now, I won't lie to you. Transformation is often painful. Sometimes, before we fully open our heart to God for him to transform, we have to hit rock bottom. Or we have to experience loss or grief or pain. Transformation can destroy the plans we had for our own life. Transformation requires us to relinquish control. It requires us to trust fully in God and his will for our lives. Transformation requires death in order for new life to be formed. But transformation is also worth it. As Paul told the Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, Open yourselves up to allow transformation to take place. Pray that God shows you the path he wants you on. Ask to be transformed into his new creation. Beg to be made good, acceptable, and perfect. And when God offers you the chance to be transformed, remember your baptismal vows and proclaim, I will with God's help.